0: Well, this is supposedly Super Bowl Sunday. Do you remember what number it is? Fifty-four. Okay, because I can not remember. <laughs> Fifty-four. Now it's, it's amazing all the festivities and everything. Of course, is back in Miami, Menemone. but the Super Bowl Thirty-three was held in Miami, also. Just interesting enough. And my message title today is Super Bowl Thirty-three, but it's actually taken out of the greatest battle ever was. The greatest champion of all time was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he was 33 years old. They say the term came out in the 20s, but it was made famous uh, back in the 80s by a quarterback by the name of Doug Flutie. And he was a man. He was still, he said like 56, 57, still in great shape and throw that football like crazy. But uh, they said that the term "Hill Mary Pass." was popularized by Doug Flutie. They said that uh, Miami was losing to Boston, and it was, I mean, it was looking bad. It just had just a short time left in the game. And uh, so Boston was just standing around, and I thought, there's no way Flutie can do a 52-yard pass. And all of a sudden, Flutie closed his eyes, said a quick prayer, and let it fly. And guess what? They caught, and they won. And so many times, the thing that looks like a last-ditch effort has been called a "Hail Mary" pass. In fact, uh, our General Schwarzkopf. schwartz schwartzkopf I don't know Schwartz Schwarzkopf is. be with you. Nevertheless, he said that during the Battle of Kuwait, that's what he called. He said I did a Hail Mary and came in behind the enemy, and that's why we were were so victorious. But if you think about that term, a latch last-ditch effort or under extreme situation. We know that through all biblical history that uh, mankind had offered up bulls and goats and sheep and doves, red heifer sin offerings and all these different things to try to get forgiveness and remission of sin, to have peace with God. And everything that mankind tried and everything that he hoped would give him Peace with God didn't happen, and finally there was one last champion who championed for each and every one of us. You see, a champion was somebody, you know. I'm afraid, I don't know if you ever followed boxing. Remember uh, Ali and the uh, Gorilla Manila, the Battle of Manila. Remember that? And you know, people line up on who they want to be their their champion. And they go out and they represent you just like we used to talk a moment ago the 49ers in kansas city people would have uh you should put it on the back of the quarterback you know, so that's who their champion is but we had the most important eternal champion to represent us and that was the lord jesus christ in the biggest major battle of all time and all history throughout all universe and that was the lord jesus christ like i said earlier i i enjoy Going down there, we've been going down there in the month of January for a number of years, and I enjoy sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. And not Not all of them, but many of them have, the folks who come will have Catholic backgrounds. And uh, you would think, well, you know, they, they preach the gospels. Well, and some do. But it never ceases to amaze, me and I, when we, uh, we're just teaching the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's like recently, I think it's Sunday before, this past Sunday I was teaching about addiction. And the Sunday before that I was talking about there's three types of theology. Three types. Whether you're a Catholic, whether you're Protestant, there's only three types of theology that exist. You say, really? Just three this. It's called semi-Pelagianism, Pelagianism, and Augustine. all so three types of theology falls under one of those categories altogether. And it determines... What is salvation? And what is not salvation? Let me give you a quick lesson in theology. Semi-Pelagianism means this, and this is what the majority of Protestants and many Catholics believe. It believes that we are to be saved. We are to do good works, to try to do good things. Salvation, they will say, is by grace through faith. I'll quote that. They'll even say that salvation is free. Most Protestants will teach that. But... There's a caveat. We still have to do these certain things. You know, if you don't do these certain things, if if you don't get a haircut, you don't carry the family Bible with you, if you don't go to this particular church, you're not baptized into that denomination. You still have to do these cross the T's and dot the I's. Even though they'll say, yes, we're saved by grace. They'll even say it's a free gift of God. That's called semi-Pelagianism. Then there is pure Pelagianism. Which means this, we're saved by keeping what's called the social gospel by our good works. If your good works outweigh your bad, you're in it. Well, neither one of those are biblical. Those are teachings of men where men mankind has taken Bible, Taking it, and 2 Peter chapter 3 says, where those who are unlearned and unstable will take scripture and twist to their own destruction. If they're semi-Pelagianists or they're Pelagians, they're taking Scripture to substantiate an erroneous doctrine. But then what's called Augustinianism, by their own church father, Augustine, is the only pure biblical theology, which means this, we are saved by Jesus Christ plus nothing. You're not saved nor can you keep salvation by whatever good works you may do. You, can, you, don't, you cannot incorporate into your eternal life salvation any aspect of your good works or efforts that you have done. If you do, you better check to yourself. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. But I guarantee you, you can go to the vast majority of Baptist churches right now. They have a preach and teach that the Bible is the inspired and every Word of God and you will hear a semi-Pelagianistic message because they don't believe that all of mankind is truly reprobate from God. Pelagian believed that at the fall, there was still a little bit of good left in man, just enough that he could feasibly keep all the law and be saved apart from Jesus Christ. That's what is taught. He thought know, they still, in fact, I guarantee you've heard it growing up. Oh, even in the worst of mankind, there's still a little bit of good. No. No. According to God's word in John chapter 8, Jesus talked to the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he said, you are of your father the devil, and the works of your father, you will do. If you're not born again, if you're not a child of God, there is no good in you. Now, I'm not talking about social good. <laughs> You'll you'll see somebody who uh, will do an act of kindness one way or the other that may be a criminal in prison, whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a right relationship with God. And you see, nobody has a right relationship with God. Case in point, is there anybody here who has never sinned, never made a mistake, never did a wrong thing? If anybody here could fit that bill, raise your hand. If you've never done a thing wrong in your life, but see if that were true, you might be able to get in heaven. I didn't know. I thought Dan was raising his hand. <laughs> <laughs> <didn't know>. Sure. <laughs> see, Dan, I think he's time to do it. Don't worry, Dan. Even a snitch won't be in heaven, okay? <laughs> no, not one. He was good up to that. He's good up to that point. He blew it. He I, blew it wanted, I knew it live. But that's what Pelagius taught. And he and Augustine went head and head. Augustine said, you're a heresy. There is no good in man. Man is depraved from God. In fact, God's word tells us in in, in Jeremiah chapter 7. Man's heart is desperately wicked. All mankind. It's called original sin. David said in Psalm 51, In sin did my mother conceive me. You're born with sin. I've shared this here in the past but in case there's somebody here that doesn't have children. Anybody that has children know what I'm gonna say is true. Babies are sinful. And if you don't have kids you can't believe that poor little innocent baby. That little innocent baby will lie through its gums. <laughs> they learn real quick what kind of crime they have to do to where it sounds like it's certain, so you'll come running. That's called lying. That baby has inherited Lie. Has any of your children ever done that? Act like they was hurting so they get you again. Yeah, I, my So in sin, as David said, our heart is desperately wicked. Therefore, if there is any negative whatsoever, you can't get into a hundred percent perfect heaven. Because if you come into heaven, and you were ninety-nine point nine percent perfect. You still didn't get into heaven because then heaven would no longer be hundred percent perfect. There has to be an absolute total absolving of sin and wrong in your life. Of the depravity of man. And so when you realize that and you come to grips with that you realize oh woeful man that I am. Who shall deliver me? Paul said. Who shall deliver me? And there's only one person. Our champion Jesus Christ. You see he was the only one who was 100% perfect. He who knew not sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They had Pete Rose on TV this past week. You know, he was barred from baseball for life because he dared to, to bet on that team he was coaching. You know? Some of the greatest players in the world. I told Linda the other day, I mean, I don't want to talk you to the dead, but you know, they, all these memorial, memorials for Kobe Bryant and everything. I told Linda, I said, you think, uh, I'm sure he was doing a lot of good things, you'd think he'd walk on the water. I, I said, anybody remember the rape case he was in? Yeah. I, remember, I kept think nobody's, you know, I hate what happened to him is, but I thought, there's none righteous, no not one. There's none perfect. Evil people can do good things, but that doesn't mean that their heart is perfect or that their mind is perfect. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ plus nothing. The only way works will get you into heaven is the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he went into a type of arena. I, 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 don't even have, I want you to look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I got way on my way, therefore I totally look description Scripture. 1 Corinthians, you might not watch the time for me, you know. See, I had a full hour down there, so I very get used to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible, I therefore so run, not as certainly so fight I, not as one that beat in the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Paul made many reference to athletics because the Olympics was very important to the Greeks and to the known world at that time. And so many times he used certain analogies that would refer back to, uh, to a type of athletics here he's he's alluding to boxing and running Which everybody that known world at that time knew exactly what he was referring to He's talking about how an athlete has to keep under his body He has to do certain things And Paul's that after being a Christian Now that we are saved we do good works, but because of salvation Not to earn salvation As we read in 2 Timothy chapter 2 For a call to worship this morning And your hardness as a good soldier we, there, there are good works evident in the saved, but we don't do good works to be the saved. After we're saved, we do good works because of salvation, because we are redeemed. I was telling some folks this past week, I said, the most exciting thing in our lives is once you are genuinely saved, every day, should be that he who knew not sin became sin for us. He became our champion. That we might be the righteous of God. Every day that ought to be the most exciting thing in our lives. I notice the older I get, the more I draw on that. The older I get, the more I I text the old buddy of mine back in high school, he used to run around with him on my sixty sixth birthday, and I uh, said, so Just thinking about you and when we everywhere we went, we walked, and we get over to your house and, and your mom who was a saint and time it just seemed like yesterday, time Time flies by. And when you're young, you don't think about a lot of things. But as you get older, we all have a a similar destination, a divine appointment, if you will. And that is the day, whether you like it or not, that just like this Mr. Williams we showed, he said there's a day you were born God knows about, and God knows the day you're checking out. And in between that is the time of what did you do with Jesus Christ? I like what a theologian said one time, nobody whistles a merry tune and walks by the cross that's holding Jesus. You have to make a decision one way or the other to look the other way and lie, or look at him and fall down and say, my Lord and my God. And so when you think about the Super Bowl, if you will, I hope you don't out of time. If you will, turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. But all churches, irrespective of denomination, are teaching one form or other of salvation. Two of them are wrong. One of them, Augustine taught. It's not by any words. It's purely because Jesus Christ blessed my heart. Here's the first battle of our champion on our behalf. And this means each one of you, I, when I first got saved, it was a very popular term, a term in Christianity is that if you were the only person Jesus would have still done what he did. And that's true. If you were the only person on planet earth he would have still took on the form of man it's called his anthropologic nature. We see in Philippians talk, in chapter 2 it talks about the kenosis theory which means he emptied himself he divested himself of being God took the form of man and even though he was man anthropologist Anthropologist, anthropologic. Spit out the He was still very God. That's what the Apostolic Creed says: very God, very man. And in his human form, if you'd have been the only one, he would allow you to curse him, spit upon him, to nail him to a tree, and he would hung on that tree. He still would look up to heaven and look at you and says, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." And he would allow you to take his body down, throw it in a borrowed hole, and three days later he'd come forth and find you and show you his wounds and say now, what will you do with me? Will you accept my salvation or will you turn away? And everybody has to accept that. The first time our champion went to battle for us, you'll see very clearly, In fact is when the moment he was born, the devil tried to kill him. In fact, he, he went to Beth, he had Herod descend to Bethlehem to kill all of the children under 280 years of age. The devil was trying to kill Jesus from the very beginning. But look here in Matthew chapter 4. We'll see when Jesus really stepped into the arena. Then was Jesus after his baptism. Then was Jesus led up in the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the proper translation of tempted is tested. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards a hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and he said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil take him up into a holy city, and he set them on the pinnacle of the temple, and say unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his charge, give his angels charge over against, oh, concerning thee, and in their hands that thee the helpless thou, at any time dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the third time, the devil, take him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth, leaveth him. And behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. He represented you in that arena. All sin comes under three categories. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If Jesus had not won each one of those temptations, you would have no power over sin. But God's word tells us in Romans chapter 6. And this is a reference I brought up last week dealing with addiction. Romans chapter 6 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. The devil cannot make you as a child of God do anything. Now, if you're not saved, he can, because you're his property. But once you are saved, and you know Jesus Christ, Lord Savior, your name is written in the land of the book of life, the devil cannot make you do anything. He cannot take a syringe and force you to put it in your arms. You're a child of God. He cannot force you to stop by the liquor store and twist the cap off a, a, another fifth and down it. He can't make you do anything. Sin does not have dominion over no, because you are the child of God now and you need to go back and read Job. The devil could only do what God would allow him to do, to one of his own. But here when Jesus was victorious in this battle, in this, this ring, if you will, my nephew, uh, Josh Laws, he was into that uh, extreme fighting. And I went up to Elizabeth and they had that cage fighting. And uh, i tell you what, after I watched him fight, I thought, I have a new respect for my little nephew. <laughs> that I know you were involved in that too, when she you, Josh was real Josh, Healy, he was. Not because he was my nephew. He was, he was good. i tell you what, once they close that, uh, pose you in there, it's just two people. Two people fight. Here we see two. One's Lord Jesus Christ in the form of man. The other was a created being by the name of Lucifer who loved pride better than anything else and was cast out of heaven according to Isaiah chapter 14. And this is a battle. You see, even though we're saved, we still have to battle. If you don't know the scripture, you're unarmed. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's why we need to digest the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The more of God's word that you have in your heart, the more the devil has to back off. Every time we see here in Matthew chapter 4, every time the devil came to tempt Jesus, whether it be turning the rocks into loaves of bread because he hadn't eaten in 40 days, whether it be taking him to a high pinnacle above the temple, say, catch yourself down because if you can save yourself, people will follow you like crazy, him with pride. Whether it's lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, Jesus was victorious over each and every one of them. I was thinking this morning, uh, if people just realize sometimes temptation uh, can be white hot. Uh, God's word tells us: be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And sometimes every one of us will go through a temptation that is horrendous. And you say, I can't think of any scripture when it gets that bad. You know, we might not be able to think of scripture, but you can say one word, Jesus. 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 You say it to your horse, Jesus. And he says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't care what the battle, I don't care what the temptation. If you can't think of a single verse of scripture, you call on Jesus. There's times you didn't feel like that you're in a hurricane and you have lashed yourself to a concrete post and the only thing that's holding on to you is whatever you're strapped to. You need to be strapped to Jesus Christ with an unbreakable cord, which is his love, his blood. And no matter what comes your way, no matter what the battle, Jesus won it a long time ago when he was fighting one-on-one in the ring with Lucifer himself. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. How much time do we have? You have nine minutes any way you can stretch that (laughs) you have your bibles with you want to look over at matthew chapter 26 matthew chapter 26 we're going to start with verse 36 here's another time that jesus went into the ring against the leader of the fallen angels In Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, Sit you here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face face and prayed saying oh my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as thou wilt and he come unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and he saith unto peter what could you not watch with me one hour watch and pray that you enter not into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak he went away again the second time and prayed saying oh my father If this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them and went away again. And prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and say to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. This is one of the most moving passages of Scripture. Jesus would often go, and this is after the Last Supper, across the brook of Kidron, and he would go into this garden that was owned by someone that he knew that allowed him to use it as a place to go and pray. This was the night, the very reason he came into the world, was he had one more, one more time in the room, With the devil himself. And so he left his disciples on the outside and he went inside to pray. And buddy, there was a battle. Man, was that battle going on in there? The devil was circling and circling. Trying to put fear on Jesus. Trying to find a way out. You see, he was still very God, but he was still very man. With the same feelings and emotions that you and I have. The same ability to be tempted or tested. And so wherever this was that Jesus was praying that night, it was a ring of battle. And Jesus went to war. And the devil tried every way in the world to talk to Jesus Jesus of what he was about to do. And the human nature of Jesus even went to the Father. And what Jesus was most Fearful, if you will, if I can use that term in an understandable way. What concerned Jesus the most was not the pain that he knew to the umpteenth detail he was going to feel, but something that he was going to experience that he never knew, never had an understanding of. He who knew not sin became sin for us. You see, the moment he hung on that cross, every horrible wrong that Vic young ever did every terrible vulgar thought and sin that any of us have ever done come out of the past and out of the future and clung to the body of jesus at that moment we're told at the crucifixion that the sky turned dark and habakkuk tells us that god the father cannot look on sin And Jesus could not look on his own son knowing what he was going through. And finally, after six and a half hours, Jesus won the ultimate battle. He said to Telestine, It is finished. Jesus had the devil on the mat, and the Titanic came, and he lost for all eternity. So when you are tempted, when you can't think of anything to be happy or rejoice about no matter how bad your day is go to the end of the book and see who won the ultimate battle and he was our champion that we can have the victory in Jesus my savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood amen, amen. this day Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. Because call this Super Bowl Sunday. But we as Christians, your children know the greatest battle was ever taken place. We know that the angels, legions of angels, watched from the arena as you went into the ring to fight for all eternity and for we whom you love. And Father, I pray if anyone here has not been adopted by you whereby they cry out the Father that does not know you as the Lord and Savior of the Lord, that they pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord and my God and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with all sincerity of heart this morning, by James Payne's invitation, please come to the front of the church. Amen. The Lord ever promised us a heaven here on earth. And he went to prepare a place for us. And where He is is heaven. And there's no sin which has temptation have taken you, but with such as into with man. And with every temptation, He has provided a way of escape that we may be able to bear to the evil day. No matter how bad your day gets, no matter how tempted you are in any situation, you just look to the empty cross and call upon the name of Jesus. There's no other name given under heaven where God man can be saved than the name of Jesus. Father, thank you so very much for this day, this time here. Please keep us in our going out and coming in and bring us back safely at the point of time. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We will not have service this evening, but enjoy your time with your family and friends.